0: Let me invite you to turn with me once more to that passage that we read a few moments ago in the Gospel of Matthew in the first chapter and the final 8 verses of the chapter Matthew 1 18 through 25 and we'll read it again now Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin, until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, we thank you that you sent your son into the world, and as we think about him and your gift of him, help us marvel, help us wonder, help us believe. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. They shall call his name Emmanuel, verse 23, which translated means God with us. God with us. What a marvelous summary of Christmas and of the Christ of Christmas is to be found in those three English words there in verse 23. God with us. Now, of course, the Father has granted us many words about the incarnation of his Son, about the Word becoming flesh and dwelling among us. We find them here in Matthew. We find them in the Gospel of Luke. We find them in John and in Isaiah and Micah and so on. And I trust that many of you have been and that many of you will be reading some of those many words during this season of the year. And we praise God for every word that has proceeded out of the mouth of God concerning his beloved Son's coming. But today, we're highlighting just three words. These three English words, wonderfully strung together here in Matthew 1.23, which, when thought through and when colored in with their biblical meaning, give us a marvelous summary, I say, of what we're celebrating during this Christmas season. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us so let's think about each of those words together this morning coloring between the lines from other parts of this passage and from elsewhere in scripture and thinking first of all first of all about God with us God with us Now, even before we get to verse 23, where Jesus is called by this name, even before we get to the name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us, Matthew has already, in this passage, let us in on the fact that this is no ordinary child growing in Mary's womb. Because notice that the child is to be born of a virgin. Behold, the virgin will be with child there in verse 23. And then after we're given the name God with us, we're told that Joseph kept her a virgin, verse 25, until she gave birth. And notice also that this child has been conceived of the Holy Spirit. She she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit, verse 18. The child who has been conceived in her, verse 20, is of the Holy Spirit. So this is no ordinary baby boy. And then notice the stunning sentence there in verse 21. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now we love that sentence and we love that name. The sentence perhaps is quite familiar to many of us. And praise God that it is. It would be a good portion of scripture to memorize. You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins but we mustn't become so familiar with the the cadence of that sentence that it just rolls off of our tongues without us noticing the massive implications of what the angels are actually saying here. He will save his people from their sins. That's a pregnant statement, isn't it? Because you may remember the Pharisees on one occasion asked a very pertinent question, namely, who can forgive sins? but God alone. Now their hearts in asking that question were wrong, but the question itself is a legitimate one. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Answer, no one. Salvation is from the Lord. I am the Lord, Isaiah 43, and there is no Savior besides me. And yet, here is an angel of that same Lord informing Joseph that salvation, that forgiveness of sins, is going to come from this baby in Mary's womb. And so, The virgin birth and the conception by the Holy Spirit make it plain that this is no ordinary child. And this statement in verse 21 about this child saving his people from their sins, this statement seems to indicate that this child must be, can he be, God himself come to dwell among us? For who else can do what the angel says this baby has come to do? This must be God come to be with us. And of course, our text this morning makes that plain, right? They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And it's not just Matthew who informs us of Christ's deity, of Christ's godness. We find it in the other apostles too. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, John 1.1. 1, 1. He is the radiance of of His, of the Father's glory, and the exact representation of His nature, Hebrews 1.3. For in Him, Colossians 2, all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. And what did Christ Himself say when He had grown up? I and the Father are one, John 10. Or maybe you recall how Doubting Thomas When he had gotten his wish, when he touched Jesus' wounds with his own hands, how Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. And how did Jesus respond on that occasion? Did he rebuke Thomas for poor theology, for mistakenly thinking that he was God, Jesus was God made flesh? No. He credits Thomas with having believed. Thomas had it right. Because just as Isaiah had prophesied long before, this Jesus is fully God. A child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Or as our text puts it today, they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Now why do I belabor this point? Why is this important? Why am I striving to make sure that you have your theology straight on this issue? Well, one reason it's important, of course, is so that you give Christ his due, so that you don't diminish his glory by thinking less of him than he actually is. Christmas is not just a quaint story about a cute baby born into a little town in a very unique set of circumstances a long time ago. It was our Maker on that bed of straw. It is God who came to be with us. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him. And apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. This baby in the manger. Apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Think that out for a moment or two. This means that this Jesus, now incarnate in his mother's womb and then lying in a manger in Bethlehem, this Jesus created his own mother. And this Jesus created you. And he created me. And so this is not just a picturesque story and a cute baby. And thus we have not learned to sing Isn't he adorable? We have learned to sing, Oh, come let us adore him. Jesus is God with us. And we must have our theology straight on this point. And not only so that we can give Jesus his due, but also we must have our theology straight here for our own comfort. We must know that this is God with us for our own joy. Because if the babe of Bethlehem is not God with us, if Jesus we're only a man, even the most extraordinary of men, but still just a man at the end of the day, then we're still in our sins, aren't we? If Jesus were just an amazing teacher, as some people fancy him to have been, if he were in the same category with Plato and Confucius and Gandhi and whoever else you want to name, then While we might learn some things from him, while we might even fashion ourselves as his followers, his disciples, none of us would get one inch closer to the celestial city, would we, from following a mere man. Because our problem is not that we're basically good people who need to be shown the way. No, no. Our problem is that our hearts are desperately sick. That we're dead in our trespasses and sins. That we are natural born sinners and that the wages of that sin is death. So that we are children of wrath, says the Apostle Paul. We deserve judgment and hell. And we can't learn our way out of it. We can't follow a guru out of hell. We need a savior. We need someone to snatch us from hell. We need someone who can deal with our sin problem. Someone who can forgive our sins. But who can forgive sins but God alone? And so you see, there's no ultimate comfort in a Jesus who is just a good teacher, just a cute baby in the manger, just a wonderful story to remember every December 25th. But... If the child of Bethlehem is indeed God with us, well, then he can do exactly what his given name of Jesus announced that he would do, verse 21, namely, if he is God with us, then he can save his people from their sins. Praise God today that Jesus is God with us. But then notice also that he is God with us. Us, God with us. And God with us means, first of all, God among us. God come to be among us. In the Old Testament, the Lord came and dwelt among his people in that famous tabernacle built during the days of Moses. And the Apostle John, after he tells us that the Word, Jesus, was God, goes on to say that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or literally in the Greek, the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. So the idea is that God came to dwell, came to tabernacle among his people again, in the person of Christ, God with us. God among His people. That's an amazing thing. And then we must also say, concerning this middle word in the phrase God with us, we must also say not only is Jesus God among us, but He is God with us as one of us. God with us in our own flesh and blood. God with us in our own human nature, both body and soul. Emmanuel, God with us, not only came to be God among us, but came to be God as one of us. Jesus is very God of very God, but He is also now in His incarnation very man of very man as well. Truly human. For notice here in Matthew 1 that Jesus was conceived, verse 20, in a human womb. And that He was actually born. Verse 25. This is not the language of God just taking on the appearance of a man. This is conception in and birth from a human womb. And so Matthew is showing us, isn't he, that this Jesus is truly human, that he's actually one of us. And again, we don't just learn this from Matthew, but from elsewhere in scripture as well. In the beginning was the Word, John 1.1, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word, verse 14, became flesh. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or, remember how Jesus, praying about His impending crucifixion, coming under the wrath of God in the Garden of Gethsemane, remember how Luke tells us that being in agony... He was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. That's not a description of someone who just seemed to be human. This is a description of a real, live, flesh and blood man. It's a description of a human soul experiencing agony, Luke tells us. And it's a description of a human body as well. The agony working itself out physically through his sweat glands. Jesus is fully human. He has a human body and he has a human soul. And for more evidence of his humanity, just remember doubting Thomas again. The scars in Jesus' flesh and the fact that Jesus actually had flesh and that he really was risen and was not a ghost caused Thomas to announce that this risen one was God made flesh. God, Thomas said. But the scars also demonstrate, don't they, that Jesus was God made flesh. That He was God with us as one of us. So without leaving behind His deity or any part thereof, without ceasing to be God with us, Jesus also came to be God with us. God as one of us. Very man of very man. Truly God and truly man. So dwell this Christmas on the deity of Christ, on the fact that He's God with us, but dwell also on His humanity. And remember, all that you have if you belong to Him, all that you have because of His humanity. Or conversely, consider that if Jesus were not a man, if He just seemed to be a man, if He's just a great mythical character, as some think, If Jesus were not incarnate with a human body and a human soul, think about all that you would lack and all that you would miss. If Jesus is not truly human, think about what we would miss by way of his example. For if he wasn't one of us, if he overcame every temptation and walked with the Father merely in his capacity as God, well then... Exciting as that would be to see what can I actually glean from that by way of example since I'm not God and I'm just a mere human being. I can't do what he did because I'm not like him if he did it simply as a God who came to look like a man. But if Jesus is God with us as one of us, then I have in his example a portrait of how to live for God in this human flesh and in this human nature, don't I? And I have hope that walking by the same Spirit that Jesus walked by, it can be done. For Jesus, fully man, has done it. But, if Jesus is not really human, if He's not God with us as one of us, not only is something missing in terms of His example, but also in terms of His sympathy. Not to say that God, as God, does not sympathize with us. He does. But there is something special about the fact that Jesus, as a man, suffering like we do, in agony like we can be, sweating like we do, weeping like we do, dying like we will, and yes, tempted in all things as we are, there is something special about the fact that Jesus, as a man, knows what it is like to be us, and sympathizes with our weaknesses because of it. But if he's not really like us, if he's not really a man, then all that goes away, doesn't it? But praise God that Jesus was made like his brethren in all things. Praise God that we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. But again, if he's not one of us, if Jesus is not a man then I lose a great deal, not only from his example and also in terms of his sympathy, but I lose everything that I thought I had gained by his death. For if Jesus is not one of us, if he only seemed to be a man, if he's just a legendary character from whose mythology we may pick up a few hints on how to live well, then he didn't really lay down his life at all, did he? And our sin debt, therefore, is not paid. Or even if Jesus had come and laid down his life as some sort of human-like being, but not as an actual human, then we don't have human blood to atone for human sin, do we? But praise God, we don't have to contemplate those realities because Jesus is a man, conceived, verse 20, born, verse 25, tempted and crucified for our sins. And thus, an example a sympathetic high priest and a savior for all who will repent and believe from among this race of men of which he has become a part. And I urge you to repent and believe yourself today. Lay hold of these benefits that are in Christ. So we're thinking about the baby of Bethlehem as God with us. And we've said that he is God with us in that he's God among us. And we've said that he is God with us as one of us. And then let me point out one other thing in connection with this word with here in Matthew one twenty three, Namely that God with us not only indicates that God came to be among us. And not only reminds us that God came to be with us as one of us. But then in this context this phrase God with us is surely an indication that God is on our side. God is on our side. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. God on our side. God for us. The reason why Christ came to dwell among us and to be one of us is because he's for us. He's on our side. Because in the words of the missionary William Hewittson, God is friendly minded towards sinners in the gospel. And that's good news, isn't it? That God is on our side, that God is for us, that God is with us relationally. And not only is that good news, but we're going to discover it to be quite stunning news, or recall, at least, it to be quite stunning news when we color in the lines of this word, us, which we will now do in the final place. Jesus is God with us, and He is God with us in the various ways we just indicated, but then he's also God with us. God with us. And who is us in Matthew one twenty Who is us in the gospel? And specifically here, I want to answer this question. I want us to think about the us with whom God is with in that last sense in which we discussed God with us. I want us to think about the us whom God is with in the sense of, whose side God is on in Christ. Whom is God for in Christ, in the Gospel? The angels announced to the shepherds, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom He is pleased. But who are these men with whom God is pleased in Christ? Who is God on the side of in the coming of His Son? Who is the us in that regard? Well, first we must say... That in Christ, God is with, God is on the side of all whom he has given to his son and who will therefore come to that son in faith. In Christ, God is on the side of all whom he has given to his son and who will therefore come to that son in faith. That's part of what we must say when filling out the definition of this word us. In Christ, God is with, he is on the side of as many as the Lord Our God will call to Himself. And since the Lord brings people to Himself through faith, this precious value is for you who believe. This precious value is for you who believe on God's Son. And that's good news in and of itself, isn't it? God is with, God is for, God is on the side of those who believe on Christ. And He is with those who haven't yet believed, but whom He Himself will bring to believe. Perhaps someone even today. And I urge you to believe, even today. To trust yourself to Emmanuel, even today. To run to this Jesus, even now, in repentance and faith, if you've never done before. In Christ, God is with, God is on the side of all whom He has given to His Son, and who will therefore come to that Son in faith. Come to Him, my friends. This precious value is for you who believe. And then note that this good news of God with us, of God on our side, is all the more stunning when we consider what else the Bible says about us. What does the Bible say about us? All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned To his own way. That's what the Bible says about the third word in our text today. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And if you're spiritually self aware at all, you will have to lamentingly agree with that statement or with the words of Paul quoting from the Old Testament. There is none righteous, not even one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become useless. There is none who does good. There is not even one. That's what the Bible says about us. The Bible colors in between the lines of this word us in very dark hues. And again, if you're spiritually self-aware, you will have to agree with that assessment. You know your idolatries and your unwholesome speech or your family dysfunction. You know your bitterness or your anger or your resentment. You know your lust or your dishonesty at times or your covetousness. You know your self-pity. You know your addiction, your prayerlessness, your forgetfulness of God, and so on. And I know mine. For all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And so we might be tempted to read Matthew 1.23 And to reply to the angel, God with us? God with us? Yes. God with sinful us. That's what the text says. All of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. But the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him on Jesus, on this baby in the manger. The Lord has caused the iniquity of all whom He has given to His Son, of all who will therefore come to that Son in faith to fall on Emmanuel. For while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Even us. Isn't this amazing? God with us? God with sinners? Yes! That's precisely what the Bible says. For it is not the healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. And so Jesus came to be God with us, to be God with sinners. Several years ago, when I was preparing the original version of this message, I found myself in a rush, and I had engaged in little or no prayer over the message, and I started to think to myself, God's not going to bless this. God is probably really frustrated with me. How can I even preach? But then I actually listened to what I was preparing to preach. God with us. God with us. Even miserable, sinful us. And without condoning a regular habit of rushed, prayerless sermon preparation, Justin, for next week, this very text was exactly what I needed to hear. And I trust that it is exactly what many of you need to hear this morning as well. Do you struggle to believe that God is with you, that God is for you, that God is for you, look down into the manger today and see the omnipresent God whom the highest heaven cannot contain laid on a bed of straw for us, for His sinful people, for all who will come to believe in His name. Observe how He left the company of the angels to make His appearance before a band of shepherds for us. For his sheep who have gone astray. Consider that God, who had no beginning, God, who has no place of origin, God, who is contingent upon nothing, God, who simply is, was born for us. Born as a man for lost sinners. In Christ, God is with us, I tell you. God is for us, even us, in all our sin. And I urge you to see this today and to believe. And I urge you to see it and to believe not only by looking down into the manger, but by looking up at the cross as well. God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. For Christ died. For sins, once for all. The just, for the unjust. So that He might bring us to God. God did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all. God with us. Even us. In our sins. And so won't you trust this Christ? Won't you repent of your sins and believe in His name? I hope this Christmas that you yourself can call this Jesus Emmanuel, which translated means God with us.